Grab your Bibles, um, turn to Matthew, the book of Matthew chapter 6. We're going to look at um, some of the most famous words of Jesus that we have in the entire Bible. This is the Lord's Prayer. We're going to study and look at the Lord's Prayer today. Um, One time there was these two guys talking, and um, they were talking about biblical things, and uh, just talking about the scriptures, and one guy says to another, you know what? you don't know very much about the Bible. In fact, I bet you don't even know the Lord's Prayer. In fact, I'll bet you $10 right now that you can't quote the Lord's Prayer. The other guy says, yeah, I'll take that bet. I'll take that right now. So he says, okay, let's hear it. The guy says, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. The first guy laughed. <laughs> he laughs at him and reaches in his pocket and pulls out $10 and says, man, I didn't think you knew it. I had him $10. <laughs> the Lord's Prayer. Let's read this together. The actual prayer. Matthew 9, uh, 6, verses 9 through 13. Um, let's all say this. Uh, In this manner, therefore, pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. The Lord's Prayer. They call it the Lord's Prayer, but really it's the disciples' prayer and the followers of Jesus' prayer. Many scholars call it the disciples' prayer. Uh, one reason for that is there's a line in here about um, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. How many know that Jesus didn't have debts that needed forgiven? He didn't have his own sin to contend with. So this, this model of prayer didn't fit Jesus verbatim, of course. Um, but more than, a, more than a, um, a prayer to be quoted verbatim, what Jesus gave us here in these scriptures is a model for prayer, a pattern for prayer. Um, there's certainly nothing wrong with what we just did. There's certainly nothing wrong with quoting it verbatim or praying it verbatim. Many people do that. But Jesus said, in this manner, pray. After this pattern, pray like this. And in, in, in Luke's rendition of, of the gospel, um, Jesus um, gave the Lord's, the, the Lord's prayer. And, and just before that, the disciples said, Lord, teach us how to pray. And then this is what Jesus gave them. This is how Jesus taught them how to pray and how he's teaching us how to pray. Again, Jesus was not trying to get us to just memorize some words for ritual's sake. What he's trying to do is make us powerful and effective in the secret place. The secret place is where you pray. That's where you, that's where you spend time with the Lord. Jesus has a vested interest in you and I being powerful in the secret place. Jesus wants you to have answered prayers. He doesn't just want us to have the discipline of prayer, although that is very important. We, sh- we can and should talk about the discipline of, of prayer, but that is not the, the end all. That is not the goal. Jesus actually wants you 
and I to have answered prayer. Why? Because he wants his will to be done here on earth as it is in heaven. It is to the glory of the Father in heaven that you get your prayers answered. God wants your prayers answered. It says this in John chapter 15, verses 17, uh, 7 and 8. Jesus said this, If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. If you remain in me, if you, if you continue to abide in me, have intimacy in me, dwell with me, together with me, and my words, understanding what, what my will is, understanding my words, if, if, if I can trust you to remain in me, if I can trust you to have intimacy with me, and if I can trust you to get my will in you, you can ask for whatever you wish and it'll be done for you because I can trust you. See, God, um, does God answer prayers that aren't his will? No. You could, you could pray for something stupid. You know, God's not obligated to answer that prayer. But Jesus knows that we can be trusted for asking whatever we wish if we remain in him, if we have intimacy with him and his words abide in our heart. We know how he thinks because we're in the scripture. We know how he thinks because we have intimacy with the Holy Spirit. That kind of person can be trusted to come before the Father, spending time with him, and it is to the glory of the Father that your prayers would be answered. There's another portion of scripture that, where the Bible says that God gives us the desires of our hearts. Well, every desire, you know, I think my heart desires some things that probably are not good. Um, but to the extent that I remain in Christ and his words remain in my heart, he can honor the desires of my heart. Now, um, there are certain things that like I desire that maybe you don't desire. There's things I'm into that you're into. Uh, Pastor Ben down here, he's into cycling. Well, part of, I think, the desires of Ben's heart and the way that God has wired him is to do things with cycling. And I think the Lord loves to come alongside those kind of things and do those things with us. So there is part of this thing where he does give us the desires of our hearts. But if we remain in him, his words remain in us. He wants to answer our prayers, and he will. He says this, verse 8, This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Part of being a fruitful person is directly connected to you asking, that's called prayer, and receiving what you've asked for. That's the breakthrough. That's his will being done here on earth as it is in heaven. Okay? So God wants you and I not just to have the discipline of prayer. He wants us to have powerful, he wants us to be powerful people in the secret place. How many remember... Um, <laughs> The, 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 the story in the book of Acts, there was the sons of Sceva, and they saw the disciples um, doing miracles. They saw the disciples um, doing powerful things, and they, they tried to cast a demon out of a guy, and they got beat up. And the, they actually said, you know, uh, um, they said, in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, I think that's how it went, um, come out. And the demon answered, the demon answered them and said, Jesus I know, Paul I know, but who the heck are you? Okay. So they didn't, they didn't have authority in the spirit realm. They didn't have authority in the secret place because they didn't have intimacy with the Lord in the secret place. And they didn't have Jesus' words in their hearts. They were just simply trying to invoke and put the name of Jesus as a tagline at the end of their prayer, hoping that that would bring a breakthrough. Like, this will give me some secret power. Okay, no, it doesn't work like that. When, we're, when we remain in him, his words remain in us, then we're powerful in the secret place, 
and then we become known in the spirit realm. I, like, I want my name. I want to be known in the spirit realm by angels and demons. I, the only reason why I want to be known by demons is because I have authority in the spirit realm. Amen? Okay. God wants us to be powerful in the spirit realm, in the secret place. And it is to the glory of the Father that you are. Okay. I want to take of the Lord's Prayer. This is as far as we're going to get today. I want to take one verse and dissect it. And that verse is verse um, 9. So Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. This is all the farther we're going to get in this prayer. It says this, In this manner, therefore, pray, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. The first thing that you and I need to notice about this prayer that Jesus gave us is that he's referring to God in heaven as a father. At the time when Jesus said this, relating to God as a personal father was a revolutionary idea. God is referenced as a father um, in the Old Testament, but not explicitly, like not so explicitly and not so personally like Jesus is making it clear for us here. Jesus made the father available to us like this. I've said this many times um, here, but how many know that if you read the Old Testament, there are types and shadows of Jesus throughout the Old Testament? And then there are the messianic prophecies of Jesus, that is the prophecies about the Messiah to come. Um, and I, I've said it like this, the Old Testament is Christ concealed, the New Testament is Christ revealed. But the revelation of, of God as a father was also only partially revealed in the Old Testament. You could say it like this. The Old Testament um, reveals God dimly as a father, but Jesus reveals the father openly and personally to us. Jesus came to reveal the father to us. He came to reveal the father nature of God to you and I. When it comes to prayer, when it comes to um, praying and getting answers to prayer, Jesus is highlighting the fact that we need to come before God. We need to come to him as a loving father. Again, this prayer is not just for ritual sake. It's for having a correct view of who God is, for having correct theology, and for receiving answers to prayers. Let me ask you a question. What do good fathers do? Uh, good fathers, number one, they provide. Okay, that is, that is the character nature of our father in heaven. He provides and as a father that's under the father, that's what I want to do. They, pr they provide. They protect. They give identity. And they're present. They're present. To the extent that a father can be present, he needs to be present. When he's out, when he's out working, he should be working, and that's a good thing they need to do. But to the extent that they can be present, they should be present. Provide, protect, give identity, and be present. You may or may not have had a good relationship with your earthly father. I hope you did. And even if it was a perfect, well, I shouldn't say this. It's not perfect. Even if your father was a really, really, really good dad, he wasn't perfect, but perhaps was a good representation of who your father in heaven is. But our father in heaven is the perfect dad. He is the perfect dad. And if you had a terrible relationship with your father, you still get to have a perfect daddy in heaven. Amen? Okay. I want to show you um, the way Paul talks about um, 
the way we relate to the, our Father in heaven. Romans um, 8, 14 through 16, Paul says this, For those who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship, or you could say daughtership. And by him, by the Spirit within us, we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. So it is, it is by the Holy Spirit within us that we're able to cry out to our Abba, Father, Daddy, God in heaven. Amen? That is a revelation of the Father. The New Testament was written in Greek, but this word, Abba, is, an, is the Aramaic word for Father. Aramaic was the everyday common language that Jesus and the disciples spoke. They also spoke Hebrew in, you know, in, in um, the temple and those different kind of things, but Aramaic was the common language of that day of Jesus. And this is what Abba means. Abba means father, of course. Also used as a term of tender endearment by a beloved child in an affectionate, dependent relationship with their father, daddy, papa. This is how Paul was referring to our father in heaven. He's daddy God. A a close, personal, dependent relationship. This is not a cold, um, distant father. It's a, it's a loving, endearing, intimate title. I remember when, uh, when our, I lo- I, I'll never forget this, but when our, when our daughters were really little, I would come home from work, and, our, and in our house we had a garage, and then you'd walk in, and there was like, um, it was about this high, actually. It was about four or five steps. And as soon as I would open the door, I would hear my daughter, my daughter Evie, when she's, you know, three, four, five years old, and she would go, Daddy, 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 and she'd come run around the corner, and then whether I was ready or not, she would just leap off of the steps. And sometimes I would, like, be holding stuff and have to catch her. And then she'd, you know, just wrap her legs around me. Daddy, daddy, daddy. Um, I wish I'd gotten that on video. She did it for several years. Um, I wish I'd gotten on video. And then one day she, you know, got too cool for it. So whatever. <laughs> but that is the picture that how we can approach God, how we can approach our daddy. He is a loving Papa, he's a loving father. We can come before him like this. Jesus used the same word, Abba, the same Aramaic word, in Mark chapter 14, verse 36, when he's in the Garden of Gethsemane. Abba, Father, Daddy, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me. Yet not what I will, but you will. Jesus is coming to the Father, Daddy, I know you can do anything. Is there another way? Isn't there another way, Daddy? I know you can do anything. Anything's possible with you, right? This Aramaic word closely correlates to the Hebrew word for father. And the Hebrew word is spelled A-B-A. So this one's A-B-B-A. The Hebrew word is A-B-A. When I, and this strikes me every time we're, I notice it every time we're in Israel. In fact, we were, we were, here in Nove- we were there in November. And we were up um, in, in the north at, uh, near Tel Dan, and there's some um, headwaters of the, the Jordan River were uh, flowing there, and there's some pools and stuff like that, and it was pretty hot out. And there were some, some children playing in this pool. And do you guys remember this? There's some children playing, playing in the pool, and they're just splashing around. I remember hearing one of them, one of them just say, Abba, Abba. They were talking, the dad was sitting there, Abba. 
And that just immediately strikes my heart. I'm like, that is exactly, that perfectly correlates to this Aramaic word that Jesus used and that Paul used calling daddy in heaven, Abba. And I, every time it just gets me when I hear, when I hear a little uh, Jewish boy or Jewish girl calling their, their dad Abba. Here's my point. We need, and this was Jesus' point, we need a revelation of God as our heavenly daddy, our heavenly papa, when we pray. This is how Jesus taught us how to come before him, not God, papa, daddy. That's what he was getting at. Now, <laughs> what struck me about this verse this week, and this is why we're not going to get any further than this verse, is the dichotomy in verse 9 in the Lord's Prayer. Jesus said this, In this manner, therefore, pray, Our Father, our Daddy in heaven, hallowed be your name. Now, hallowed means to make holy, to treat as holy, set apart as holy, or sanctify. Jesus shows us here that God is to be regarded as holy. His name is to be regarded as holy. Totally separate, different than anything else, totally other than there's no one like him. His name is to be regarded and revered as holy. If you're like me, in your closet, you might have, you might have clothes for everyday use, common use. And then you have clothes, like these are a little bit better than my common use clothes. And then I have my suit. And I don't, you know, we're kind of casual here at Sea Light Search. I don't even wear my suit on Easter or on Christmas around here, okay? Um, I wear my, if I have my suit on, I'm doing one of two things. I'm either marrying someone or burying someone, okay? That's my marrying and burying suit. I don't wear it for any other occasion, really, okay? That suit is set apart. I don't, I don't get up on the roof and work on the roof. I don't get under the car and work on it, work on the car and the suit. It's for, it's sacred use. It's not for common use, okay? This is the, the sanctified, set apart, hallowed, totally other than. This is what the language that's being used here in this verse. We need a revelation of the bigness of God as well. God is unimaginably bigger than anything we could possibly comprehend. Are you starting to see the, the dichotomy here? Are you starting to see the, the conflict? That on one hand, he's this Papa God that we run up to and sit on his lap. On the other hand, he's to be revered as holy. He's totally set apart. And look how Paul describes um, the Father in heaven in 1 Timothy 6, 15 and 16. God, the blessed and only ruler, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone is immortal, who lives in unapproachable light, whom no one has seen or can see, to him be the honor and might forever. Amen. Okay? So there's this, there's this tension here. On one hand, we have Jesus describing God as approachable daddy, provider, protector. We're in an affectionate, dependent, personal relationship with him. And on the other hand, we see God in the beauty of his holiness. He's holy. He's omniscient. That is all knowledge. He's omnipotent. He has all power. He's omnipresent. He's ever at once. He has immutability. He's unchanging. And he lives in unapproachable light. The Greek word there means no man can approach. Unapproachable light. We see John in the book of Revelation when he see, has a revelation of, of um, the risen Christ. 
he, he's so overcome by the majesty and glory of God, I fell as a dead man before him. He, fell, he didn't even look at him. He fell as a dead man before him. In the Old Testament, God uh, dwelled in, he came and dwelled in a tabernacle and later in uh, the temple. And at that time, only one person, one time a year, could go into the Holy of Holies, and that was the high priest. One person, one time a year, could go into the Holy of Holies, and they had to undergo many ritual cleansings so that they would not be immediately judged for their sins. Had, had someone just walked right into the Holy of Holies casually, they would have dropped dead because the holiness of God would confronted their sin. They had to go through these ritual cleansings to, to atone for their sins and the sins of the people before they could even come into the Holy of Holies. I used to have a friend in my young 20s. You remember Ben Hebert? He used to say this. He used to say, if he lived in the Old Testament, he, he knew, you know, you can't just go into the Holy of Holies. But he's like, I would bum rush the Holy of Holies. He's like, I would just get close to the tabernacle and just run in. And even though I would be killed, at least for a, a tiny a little split second, I would be in the presence and the glory of God before I died. We'd bum rush the Holy of Holies. <laughs> By virtue of God's holiness, God is entirely unapproachable. Yet Jesus says, come to him like he is daddy God. How? Do you and I reconcile these differences? How do we come before this holy, righteous, blameless, perfect king judge of the universe as daddy? We need three things. This is the first verse of the Lord's Prayer, and we have this dichotomy. We need three things. Number one, we need to receive a revelation that God is a loving daddy. He's a loving papa and wants to be close. Number two, we should have a healthy respect for God and worship him in the beauty of his holiness. One of the things that will make your prayer life powerful and effective is we need to embrace both of these realities. He wants to be close, but he's all-powerful. But number three, this is the key. We need to understand that Jesus made it possible for us to draw near to this perfect, holy, righteous God through the sacrifice of his blood on the cross. I was thinking about this this morning. I was like, you know, when you watch the news, most of it's bad news, you know, because that's what news is. And occasionally they have good news. And I'm thinking, like, I just get to give good news today. Like, I'm, I'm, the, I'm the delivery guy of some really good news. But here's the deal. Either God would have to be made unholy for us to come to him, and that's impossible because God is unchangeable, or he has to make the unholy holy. He has to make the unclean clean. And I just want to say, not just cleaner, clean. He has to make the unclean clean. And this is what Jesus did for us. When I was a kid, we used to go to a, we used to go water skiing out of this lake called Empire Reservoir. And uh, we were walking along the beach and we, I found, I found a turtle shell it was just a skeleton of a turtle shell. I was like, this is pretty cool. I'm going to use this as like a paperweight in my, in my room. So we get this turtle shell, and it smelled bad, okay? And we got it home, and we're like, we'll wash it. So we wash it with soap, with water. It dries off. It still smells. We spray it with Lysol. It still smells. No matter what we did, that turtle shell would not stop smelling disgusting, okay? It was cleaner, but it was not 
clean. This, we got to get rid of it. <laughs> just, it didn't work. This is what it's like with you and with me. God didn't just come make us cleaner. What Jesus did for us made you clean. Clean, pure, spotless. I want to read a little bit about, out of the book of Hebrews. You should read the book of Hebrews, the whole thing if you haven't. But this is what Jesus did for us. His blood did for us. I want you to, I want you to see yourself in these verses. Hebrews 9, 11 through 14. So Christ has now become the high priest over all the good things that have now come. He has entered the greater and more perfect tabernacle in heaven, which was not made by human hands and is not part of this created world. With his own blood, not the blood of goats and calves, he entered the most holy place once and for all time and secured our redemption forever. Under the old system, the blood of uh, goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer could cleanse people's bodies from ceremonial impurity. Just think how much more the blood of Christ will purify our consciences from sinful deeds so that we can worship the living God. For by the power of the eternal spirit, Christ offered himself to God as a perfect sacrifice for our sins. Let's jump over to chapter 10. Verse 19, and so, dear brothers and sisters, we can, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened a new and living way through the curtain into the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God with, a, with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean. Remember I said, we're not just cleaner, we're clean. And our bodies have been washed with pure water. We can go right in through the Holy of Holies. Jesus gave you access into the Holy of Holies. Under the old covenant, under the old system, um, right away... If you're a woman, you were excluded from going on the Holy of Holies because the priests had to be men. And then there was quali- you had to be a qualified man. You had to be the high priest. But the high priest had to go through these ritual cleansings, and once a year, one person went into the Holy of Holies. Under the new covenant, under Jesus, under what he did for us, every single one of us have access to Father God to go right into the Holy of Holies. God didn't have to make any compromises He made the unholy holy so that we could draw near. He made the unclean clean so that we could go right in. Our Father, who art in heaven, our loving Papa, Daddy, God, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. He married those two themes so that we could go right in. No compromises were made. God is still perfectly holy, righteous, and good, and just, and he made us clean to go right in. I'll conclude with this. With his blood, Jesus closed the gap between the unapproachable holiness of God and this revelation of daddy. And daddy wants to be close to you. Daddy wants to be close to you. Amen? One of the hallmarks of a good father is being present. Okay? That's a hallmark of a good father. Good fathers work hard, as they should, but when they're done working hard to provide and to set an example... They come home, and then they're present. Amen? God wants to be close to you. 
How must we pray? Pray to your loving Father, knowing that Jesus has given you access to the very throne room of Daddy God. Amen? Amen. All right. You guys can stand to your feet. I'm going to pray, and then we'll close. The title of this sermon was called Abba Father. And we just got... I don't know how much more we're going to preach on this. I'm doing something different next week because it's our five-year anniversary, but I think we'll get back into this the, the week after that because I'm excited about it. It's so good. So, Father, we love you. We thank you, Jesus, for what you've done for us, that you are Daddy God. You are Papa God. You want to be close, affectionate relationship with us. And we're in the, a dependent relationship on you, Lord. And I thank you, God, that you made no compromises in the, in, the, in the beauty, the majesty, and the holiness of God, you made the unclean clean. You made the unholy holy, Lord, so that we could come right in and sit on your lap and we could make prayers and petitions and requests and spend time with you based upon that, Lord. We love you. We thank you for the blood of Jesus. Thank you for today. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. amen. God bless you guys.